Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. How do you know if you're being faithful to God's Word? Is it by the time you spend each week at church or the prayer you offer before every meal? Is it the volunteer position you work each month or the money you give as a tithe or gifts to other charities? None of these things are bad things, but today, Pastor Jim says, none of them make you faithful to God. He explains why this behavior in the church can serve as poor testimony to new believers and cause unfaithfulness to those who observe it. Well, let's join Pastor Jim in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2 as he continues his message, God's Faithful Representatives. Often people are off on works-based faith, arguments over words and, and holidays and feast days and trying to sound spiritual, too much devil talk, too much Holy Spirit talk. And you know, a lot of people, when people tell me, I'm spirit-led, I'm almost always like, oh, no, you're probably not, right? Like, we'll know, we'll see it, we can tell, right? And so in our day, we also see something emerging that is, that is taking the church by storm, and that is decreased moral standards. Now, it's always been there. Please don't get me wrong. It's always been there. But now it's just out in the open. And now there's various people who say they're Christians who say it's all okay. It doesn't really matter. And yet look at what the words the Apostle Paul uses, right? Babbling, cancer, gangrene. By drawing attention to what they are saying, it's people in darkness that are teaching the darkness. And the results in the apostles' days are similar to what we see at the end of verse 18, destroying the faith of some. Just, it's just absolutely destroying them. How does it happen? False teachers lead people away from God, not to God. They often lead people to themselves. So you leave being in their presence like, oh, wow, they are so wonderful. Oh, man, they just know so much stuff. That's, real, that's just really incredible, man. That is not what it's supposed to be. That's not what it's supposed to be. If they're leaving you more impressed with Jesus, that's good. If they're leaving you with, I can't wait to get out there and serve him, man. That's what I want to do. I want to serve God, man. That's good. But when they're leading you away from God and into all this goofy head knowledge or this arguments over words or they're leading you to thinking that they're so smart, that is not good. What are they doing? They're taking you off the path. They're taking you off the path to God. Many people preach today the cross and forgiveness of sins and leave out the moral transformation that comes with saving faith. They're, people are like, oh, just get your sins forgiven and you're in. That is not, that is not a full gospel. A full gospel is there is a moral transformation of people who are saved. Now, it's not all at once, but it is a work of grace. It's the repackaging of the early false teaching that the future is now. See, if you think that, that the resurrection has already happened, you're like, we're here. This is it. That's why we call it over-realized eschatology. It's over-realizing the end of the age. 
We're here. It's already it. And you can already enjoy all the benefits. God has forgiven you all your sins. And then the natural conclusion is you can live however you want. It doesn't matter. All is forgiven. Okay, let me ask you a question. When you're sinning, do you feel like you're walking with Jesus? Of course not. Does anybody out there awake when you're sinning? I know none of you sin. When you're sinning, do you feel like, that woke you up. Uh, Do you feel like you're walking with Jesus? No. When When you sin, why did John tell us in 1 John, when you sin, confess your sins because he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, Why would he say that if your sin didn't matter? Of course it matters. It doesn't mean that you're not saved, but we constantly, when you constantly are asking God for forgiveness, that is how you will start to see you are not sinless, but you are starting to sin less. This was the problem in Corinth. Since many of the people didn't believe that their bodies would rise from the dead, how easy it was it for them to commit sexual immorality. They're like, what's the difference? It don't matter. I ain't going to have this this body in the next life. It's gone. It's going to go in the ground. I'm just going to be a spirit. So I might as well just live it up here and and get drunk and get partying and sleep around. It It doesn't really matter. And they arrogantly called it grace, which so many people are doing today. Because so many people just only look at grace as the forgiveness of sins. But it's transforming grace that changes you. That's what changes you. That's how you know that grace has taken a root in your life. When you sin and you hate it. Or when you sin and you say, when you go to think about sinning, you go, no, I'm not doing that. Right? And you know that it's changing you. Your friends are like, hey, dude, man. You used to have such a foul mouth, man, right? But now all of a sudden things have changed or you used to be such a nasty guy or you're always cheating at everything before and now you're so much more honest. That is what? That is transforming grace. How does that happen? We witness it all the time here. There's no doubt about it. I'm sorry, I don't mean to offend anyone. There is no doubt, and maybe I do. There's no doubt about it, right? Those people that are attending church more often, that are studying the Bible more, are transforming more than those who are not. It is so plain as day to see it. If you don't believe me, ask the guys on staff, ask the people who've been here a long time. It is plain as day. If you're married, ask your spouse, right? They'll tell you, even if they don't believe what you believe, they'll be like, I don't believe what you believe, but you're a lot easier to live with, right? (laughs) Except when you start talking about that Jesus stuff, that drives me up the wall. But you would be amazed that the transforming grace works. Now, you might be sitting here saying, well, they're entitled to their own opinion. Now, when you come to things like 1 Corinthians 15, you're not entitled to your own opinion. You say, okay. But all our sins are forgiven past, present, and future. And that is a true statement for someone who is saved by grace. Then people say, well, since they're all forgiven, so how we live past, present, and future, so how we live now is not so important. Really? 
Really? Let's just say, you know, you're married and you sin against your spouse. And they, they say to you, well, all my sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. Get over it. <laughs> right? Right? That's not much of a marriage, is it? That's not much of a marriage at all. Right? So let's look at what he says. We'll close with verse 19, which I could be on for four hours, but I'll try not to be. I'm going to read this one twice as well. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal, the Lord knows who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Nevertheless, so go through it again. Nevertheless, and I think that word is a great Bible word. It's sort of like be certain. The solid, or some verbs say, firm foundation of God stands, having this seal. Some of your versions say this inscription. Now look at this. This is an Old Testament quote. The Lord knows who are his. Now, some people would be going around, see? Prove my point, Pastor Jim. Doesn't matter how you live, the Lord knows who are his. And... Oh, there's more. If you have your own Bible, circle that word, and. And. Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Another version says, abstain from wickedness. Another version says, turn away from wickedness. Now, let me ask you a question. Why would the Apostle Paul say that if the way you live your life doesn't matter? The Lord knows who are his, number one, you're mine. Now, and since you're his, stay away from sin. Why would he say that if it wasn't true? You know, a lot of people, a lot of people avoid the Apostle Paul because they don't like statements like that. It's like that guy got a lot of nerve talking to me like that. This is a great gospel verse. Not a good gospel verse. This is a great gospel verse with some basics we all must remember, stand on, and take to heart. The Apostle Paul encourages Timothy. He's saying this, yes, I will be gone soon. Caesar is going to chop my head off. I know it's coming soon, but the solid foundation of God stands. The firm foundation of God stands. What is he telling him? Listen, we know, Timothy, that God runs the universe. We know that God runs the kingdom of heaven, and that is the destiny of every follower of Jesus. It's like he's saying, I'm not concerned about the future. He said in 2 Corinthians, he talked about all the problems he had. Shipwrecked, arrested, bit by snakes, all this kind of stuff. And then he tells everybody at the end, but the thing that concerns me the most is the churches. He's not worried about himself. And this is the same kind of thing here. Listen, that's the thing that worried him, was the churches, that God's people would be faithful in the churches. And so how else 
Could, such, could a man have such hope when he's facing execution? I mean, he knew the prison guards. So what's the word up there upstairs? What's going to happen to me? Well, Paul, they're calling a guy in with an ax to cut your head off. Oh. Hey, have I told you about Jesus? <laughs> and how he's going to put me back together. And he's going to raise me in a new body. You know, jailer, man, I'd love for you to be there with me. I'd love it. And we read in his letters that people are getting saved in places where he's the prisoner. Right? People who are chained to him, captive audience. <laughs> how, else, how else are you and I going to face death without knowing that there's that firm, solid foundation? A verse I read to you over and over again because I just want everybody to always remember it. The Apostle Paul was going out planting churches, and on his trip back, he'd visit them in Acts 14, 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, we must through many tribulations, some versions say hardships, enter into the kingdom of God. Maybe right now you're going through a really, really difficult time. God is not surprised. God is saying, you know what I'm doing? I'm actually fulfilling prophecy in your life. I'm actually allowing you to go through tribulations and hardship on your way to the kingdom of God. Don't waste your suffering. Draw closer to me. Let me use this in your life to draw you closer. Now, the solid foundation is sure and dependable based on the truth of the word of God and the character of God himself. Now, the Apostle Paul loves the metaphor of the church as a building, and maybe he's saying to Timothy here, Timothy, don't worry. Things are tough in the church in Ephesus. I know they're tough for you there. But don't worry. The foundation is firm. Maybe upstairs, chaos. But the foundation is firm. This should encourage all of us. The devil will not have the last word. And people will fall away from the faith. People we love will fall away from the faith. But the foundation is firm. All this to say the church will not fail. Jesus said in Matthew 16, the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And the Apostle Paul says next, he says, having this seal or this inscription, and he quotes number 16, 5, the Lord knows who are his. That is from, if you know the text in the, of numbers, it's from what's called Korah's Rebellion. And Korah... Over 250 people rebelled against Moses. God was not confused. God was not like, oh, Jesus, come here. Who's writing this one, Moses or, or Korah and his congregation there? It's a pretty good congregation, 250 people, right? How could that many people be wrong? And so he knew that Moses was a man of God. He knows if you are a man of God or a woman of God, he knows it. And he also knows that Korah was a complete phony amongst the people of God with a large following. Korah was doing what? He was challenging the authority of Moses and Aaron, who were God's chosen 
yet imperfect leaders. And this is something we all need to remember. And I'm not just saying this because I'm the founder of this church, right? There are just certain people I have in my life that are over me that I got to be really careful. It doesn't mean I, if I think they're wrong, I might not say something to them, but it but also means that I'm not going to challenge their leadership because God chooses imperfect people. So what did the Lord do in this situation? If you don't know the story, I'm going to tell you what he did. What he often does, he removes the rebellious imposters. He does it a lot. I've seen it so many times over the years. And people are like, whatever happened to so-and-so? I'm like, you know, I don't know. Right? If, and if it's not followed up with, why don't you get in touch with them? Now you know. <laughs> right? Right? And so what does he do? The earth swallowed him up. I've been trying to work on that miracle for years. I still can't do it. <laughs> so here he says, Timothy, stay at your calling. God will judge the rebellious. And remember this, the false teachers will not stop God from saving his true people. They will not. There will always be troublemakers in the church. There will always be false followers in the church. God knows who they are, and time will tell. Now, you say, can a false follower become a true follower? Seen it many times. Seen it many times. In fact, Ephesians 1 says that followers of Jesus are sealed by the Holy Spirit. He wrote this to this, this same church where Timothy is the pastor, it's the seal of genuine faith. He told the, the people that were the real followers there. He says, you heard, you believed, you were sealed. That's all Ephesians chapter 1. You heard, you believed, and you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. But now we have to notice, people go, oh, I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit. I'm spirit-filled. I'm spirit-led. Okay, let's look at the word and now. And. You see, the seal has another inscription as we have to say around here, let's flip the coin over. It says, it says at the end of verse 19, let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Another version says abstain from wickedness. That would include departing from false teaching. If you've been sucked in by false teaching, you need to get out. To depart from friends that keep leading you astray. To depart from Korah the false leaders and the fake leaders in your life. Now, we can't see the seal of the Holy Spirit on the hearts of people, but we can see and hear the rebellion in people. We can see and hear the rebellion to the word of God. Now, I, I said this is a great gospel verse. Why? Because God knows who are his and we must properly respond to God. The two things go hand in hand. We must name the name of Christ, and we must depart from iniquity. That's all part of the repenting and believing. Repenting is just not, people say, well, it's just agreeing with God. It's more than that. That's that 90s, we got so many false followers out of that, it was insane. Repenting is saying to God, I am willing to turn from my sin to turn to you. 
I am willing. I need your help to do this, but I am willing. You're not going to find me stiff-necked in this one. At times I may be, but I will repent when I am. And I will repent and I will believe. I will name the name of Christ. I will put my trust in him. If we don't, friends watching online, if you don't, people listening on the radio, if you don't, like Korah, the earth, the grave will swallow you up. And this is my fear as I'm seeing new people coming into our church, as I'm talking with them. A lot of people who've been in church their whole life cannot recite to you a basic gospel presentation. They basically cannot tell you, you know, what, what does it mean to be saved? Oh, well, Jesus is, is, means the world to me. That's not what it means to be saved. That's not what it means to be saved. I suspect many people, even in our churches, do not know these things. To name the name of Christ is to call upon the name of the Lord and to trust Jesus for salvation, despite no matter how many times they say it, no matter how convincing they are, it doesn't matter how you live false teachers, those who claim to belong to the Lord Jesus Christ will verify it with their conduct. They will verify it with their desire to live for Christ. They will verify it with their lives. Not perfect, but constantly pressing in, pressing in, pressing in to be more like Jesus. In other words, the true church is made up of God's people that is confirmed by the visible expression of faith lived out. So there's Korah and his band of 250 plus people with Moses in the wilderness, in among the people of God, looking like the people of God, doing all the stuff that the people of God are doing. They walk up to Moses and Aaron, and they're like, well, we, we've had it with you guys. We've had it with you guys. God looks down. Angels, come here. Okay, see? Moses, man of God. Korah and those people, fakes, phonies, frauds. Now, you will understand someday when I send my son down there why I had to send him, because watch what happens to fakes, phonies, and frauds, and whoom, the ground opens, and whoom, it shuts them in. They're done. They're done. Once again, we see that God knows who are his. He is sovereign in salvation, but that does not negate human responsibility. The two are compatible. The two walk together. Again, we believe that we are to plead with people to believe, but at the same token, we believe that God will call them. And so if you are not a follower of Jesus, whether you're here, whether you're in another place in the building, you're watching online, you're listening on the radio, I am calling you in the name of Jesus Christ to turn from your sin and to put your trust in Jesus Christ to come to him and say, this is all I, all I bring to you is my sin and my willingness to turn from it. I bring you nothing else. 
And I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you rose from the dead. And I believe that my only path from getting sucked into the earth and getting to heaven is to put my trust in you. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, it is as simple as talking to God like that now. It is as simple as saying, I'm turning from my sin and I'm putting my trust in you, Jesus. And if you are a follower of Jesus, there will be evidence that God is at work in your life. Some things will happen quickly. Some things will be slower. But one of those evidences is you will desire to be God's faithful representative here on planet Earth. Because through faith and trust, the word of God and prayer, you have come to know him. And for some reason, transforming grace has put you in the place where you want others to know him as well. Thank you for spending the last half hour with Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to help you deepen your relationship with Christ no matter where you are in your journey. Teaming with Changed by Love financially makes it possible to reach thousands, many more than you and I could reach on our own. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Please consider a generous gift today. Give safely and securely online at changedbyloveradio.org. You'll find our address there too if you'd rather send a check. You can always reach us by phone at 862-217-9686. It takes a team to encourage thousands. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney. changedbyloveradio.org.